The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As you begin your spiritual journey, you are often told what to do and receive advice on which path to follow. But as you move along, eventually you need to become your own guide. Progress can be difficult at times, but once you reach new levels of awareness, the inner vistas are spectacular. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your guide and companion is Giles Asselin. Come join us now on this path of exploration. Here is your host... Giles Asselin. Yes, good afternoon, everybody. Um, welcome or welcome back if you're listening uh, for one of our shows. Um, thank you very much for, for being here today. Thank you very much for listening. I really, I totally appreciate uh, even more so this week, I have some um, good news, some great news to report. Um, the, the trial period of my show, it started on um, January 8th, uh, is about to end. Uh, it's a 13-week period, and it ends uh, accordingly on April 2nd next week. And this past Monday, I was able to, to talk to my uh, executive producer, and, and we found a way to to continue the show for another year. Uh, again, um, that's great news and uh, I'm very happy. Uh, I would say thank you, merci beaucoup, because it's, it's thanks to you and thanks to the people who are listening that I'm able to continue and I'm able to do my, when I think back, you know, I'm doing also my own exploring um, in this show, uh, aloud in a sense. Uh, I'm thinking aloud and it's a great, it's a great opportunity because things come to me and, and many small and big things came to me this week uh, to the point that um, I would have to push um, this topic about faith a little, a little further um, up in a sense. Um, maybe I will say a few things about faith today in the third segment, but um, I think it's, uh, it's an important point. Uh, important uh, area of our life. What does it mean to have faith? And I, I want to give it um, justice in a sense. I want to give it due time. Uh, it deserves, uh, I think it deserves a full show. And at the same time, I received some, um, I wouldn't call it feedback about the topic, but uh, some people posting what they think faith is all about. Um, possibly more than previous weeks. Uh, at least three or four people want person said, I'm going to mention that again, but faith is applied consciousness. And I thought faith is applied consciousness. And I thought it's wow, such a great uh, link, such a great segue from last week's topic. You know, when I asked the question, what do we do with this thing called consciousness? And, and when these things come, and this comment came from a friend of mine in Massachusetts, her name is Virginia. And uh, up until now, I mean, she received the uh, invitation every week on Facebook and she had made no comment. And suddenly she pops out and she gave me such a, such a great comment. So I'm so, I'm so grateful. 
uh, you know, things start to bubble and, um, and for whatever reason, they bubbled even more so in the past six, seven days. And for that reason, um, I would like to backtrack a little bit and talk about uh, the way the mind operates, uh, the way the mind functions, the way, uh, to put it, uh, I would say almost quote-unquote, um, the way the mind do tricks on us. Uh, and, and I had a great example yesterday. I was surprised that my mind would do such things to me. And uh, so I will give you like three or four examples, uh, at least two in the first place, and then um, a quote also that came to me. I believe it was a, a quote that I found on Facebook about the mind and what do, believe, what do we believe the mind is. And a reaction to a friend of mine who was giving me some feedback earlier this week. And that's, all of this came together so beautifully, so organically, I guess, that I'm so amazed how things are starting to fall together after 12 weeks. Uh, you know, it feels very, very organic, as I said. Things are, feels feel very natural in a sense. And the way that, it's a question about the flow. You know, when you receive something in your life, you can tell that, the river, the river of your life is flowing. Um, there's energy and this energy feels very good because this energy is in sync uh, with what you need and what you want and what you're doing in a sense. It's, uh, you can call it synchronicity. Um, that's the, the, the concept that um, Jung, the, the Swiss psychologist, uh, coined. And that's what it is, but I think it's more to that. I, I believe so. Um, I may talk about that um, a little later on. But So to go back to the topic of the mind, I want to spend at least um, an, an, a, bit of, a bit of time to talk about the mind. And, and I said in, in about, uh, it was about two shows ago, that the mind, we need to tame the mind, or we need to become friends with the mind, or we need to control the mind. There's different ways to express this. Uh, a nice summary of it was to, to balance the mind, balance um, heart and mind. And yet, um, again, two small examples. The first one is about, is about bread. Uh, bread tends to be um, important and common food in France. And uh, even after so many years in the U.S., I still um, like to have some good bread at home. And at the local supermarket here, uh, five minutes away, they sell, it's an Italian supermarket, so Italian-American supermarket. The bread they sell is good. Uh, the shape of the bread that I like there is very similar to a baguette. It's just a bit longer and a bit wider. So it's a um, good shaped bread. The, the only issue is that uh, the price, and it's not, um, it's not that the bread is, this kind of bread is extremely expensive, but three weeks ago, this bread was sold for $1.99. Two weeks ago, I saw it for $2.99. And the same bread in France would cost about a, one euro, maybe one twenty at the most. So the question, you know, do I want to buy this kind of bread for that much money? And I, it's not a big thing, but um, I thought I would, I would see how my mind is playing things out in terms of buying bread for such an quote-unquote insane price, you know. Um, it's interesting because you can get a loaf of bread for, for about that amount of money, so that's fine. And I went to the store Tuesday morning. I was, my goal was to buy that kind of bread. And uh, the bread was not on the shelf yet. It was in the back. I could see it on the, on the tray. And I asked the woman, you know, I would like uh, a piece of that bread. And... Um, she said, I'm going to give it to you. She picked one, and then she gave it to me. She put it in the plastic bag. And uh, 
And then she checked on the wall. There was a list, a pricing list or whatever, you know, bait codes. And she typed the code and she gave me the bread. And the bread, guess what? Was three forty nine. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, my expectations, the way the mind works again is, okay, the bread was supposed to be one ninety nine three weeks ago. Maybe I'm going to pay one more dollar. I'm going to pay two ninety nine, And I get to the store and the gift that I get is a 50 cents increase. And I was, I was fine with that. I asked the woman, say, was there, a, I saw the bread last week, it was two ninety nine. Was there a 50 cents increase? And she said, yes. And that was it. I took the bread and I left. And, and again, it was a way for me to, to come. Again, the image I want to convey here is to take my mind along with me. Because the more we look at the mind from the outside, the more we observe the mind, I think the easier it becomes to detach, to detach ourselves from the power of the mind. The mind, as you know, can be a very sticky thing with the kind of thing that it sends us called thoughts. And if we get stuck into that mass of thoughts, you know, it's very, it's like chewing gum in a sense. It's very hard to get out of. You have a chewing gum under your shoe and it keeps sticking and sticking. You walk, but you know, you, you can't really walk the way you would normally because your foot is stuck to the, to the ground. And the mind work a bit, a bit like this, you know, it, it, it prompts you into his, um, I call it a mass or a whirlpool of thoughts. And I would say, to push the idea, the metaphor a bit further, the more you drown, the more, the deeper the thought, the mind is going to take you. And I had a, a second example yesterday, which really came out of the blue, but was so, so amazing at this point, after doing so much work with my mind, um, so much taming work about my mind, I was so surprised that my mind could be so strong and so... So tenacious, that's the word I want to use, tenace, tenacious. Uh, and what happened yesterday afternoon around four o'clock, we got our mail and there was a letter from the um, Division of Taxation, from the tax services in Trenton, uh, the corporate services. So it didn't really surprise me because I applied so, for some sort of a certificate um, about two weeks ago something to do with a business. So the letter coming in didn't surprise me. What really surprised me, because the reaction was so strong, is that almost right away, uh, the mind took that opportunity in a sense. It saw the chance of being able to, to toss me around in a sense. And it sent, me, it sent me different kinds of messages, you know, like, um, what is going on? You know, do they want more money from you? Are you gonna be in trouble? Um, maybe what you ask for is not going to be granted. Um, you know, all kinds of things. And it was like doom and gloom. It was, it was so, I don't know, it's hard to describe it. And I was, I was really um, out of my mind in a sense, to use the word mind. And, and we were about to go out uh, to the swimming pool because I sounded the swimming lesson. And I looked at the timing, you know, when we watched our son swim, I have nothing to do but look at what's going on. And my mind and sense is, is oh, what goes in my consciousness is available so that the mind, my mind can play with it. And it kept, you know, during that 30 minute lesson, it kept bombarding me with messages that were very, very unpleasant, you know, depressing messages. And, and, 
hardly I have ever experienced such, a, you know, such strength coming from my mind, at least in the past year or two, five years, 10 years ago, I was going to the post office to pick up something and there was a, you know, an expected bill. Uh, I was billed for something and the, the, the amount was $200 more than what I expected. Then the mind rushed in and, and I was very angry and I was very upset. And I could see the mind going overdrive and starting to, to make scenarios and, 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 and lots of things that would snowball in a sense. But yesterday, I didn't, I didn't get that. I didn't get the reason why the mind was so strong. And in most likelihood, um, the letter would say to me, you know, we acknowledge your application and it's going to be ready in about, I don't know, one month, two months, or you need to provide additional documents. It doesn't really matter what the letter would say. And so it went on for about close to 30 minutes, and, and, and I realized that um, it's a very interesting realization because I realized during that swimming lesson that because of the work of my mind, uh, in a sense, I would say working against me, my consciousness wasn't there. You know, I wasn't there, I wasn't really present uh, for the lesson. I was bombarded by something else. And I was in a different, uh, I almost would like to say, I was in a different camp, a different territory. But the, the consciousness that I talked about last week, um, I couldn't get there. I had, I had no access. I had to face a barrage of, of thoughts and, and a very unpleasant barrage. And, um, you know, it's easy when this kind of thing happens. If you have a, something you can do about it, maybe you pick up a book. Or maybe you watch a movie, so you distract your court, you distract your mind. That is very easy to do. But yesterday I was in a sense helpless, and obviously I knew that my mind was aware of that. And so it went on for about 30 minutes, and then we started walking around the gym. And then that's when things started to slow down because my mind wasn't so much quote unquote in charge. And, but still, the questions were running. You know, I think the main question was, uh, what am I going to do when I get home? At what point do I open the letter? Do I wait five minutes? Uh, do I wait until after we're ready for dinner? Or do I wait until later in the evening? And what I did once we got home, guess what I did? I told my mind, you've been, me, you've been harassing me for so long with so many thoughts that I'm not going to open that letter until tomorrow evening after the show. And the letter is here, sitting on the shelf, unopened. And guess what? It's not even a miracle, but guess what? The mind hasn't said anything since. It went into what I would call remission. No more issue about the letter. Nothing at all. I haven't, haven't had such a quiet mind in reaction to this letter. And um, that was... I don't even know I would say I was surprised, but um, it was very interesting because there's ways to, again, not so much control the mind, but there's ways to, I don't know if I was this bypass. Bypass the mind is not, it's not a proper uh, expression, but there's ways to amadue again and ways to, to tame possibly the mind and, and to realize, again, the point I want to make, and I have made that point before, but it's really such an important point, is the mind seems to be a, a, what I would call a closed entity. In a sense, it functions on its own, but there's also ways, because it's a closed entity, 
to look at it from, from outside. And from outside, if you look from outside, from whatever you call that outside, I will get to that in a few minutes in the next segment, then you realize that it's your mind at work and that you're not your mind because you can be out of your mind and you're still there in, in your consciousness. Things are happening and maybe you're not thinking as much. And um, that's, again, the realization that I had that, you know, there's a mind at work. There's thoughts going on here and there. And these thoughts can be uplifting. They can be um, annoying. I mean, they can be a lot of things. They can be very grueling, like they were yesterday afternoon. There's also a way to, to look at them from, from outside and to say, okay, mind, I know what's going on. Why don't we move into something else? And, and I want to end this segment um, with a quote. Again, I got the quote three or four days ago on Facebook. It's a quote by Michael Singer. I don't think I know this guy. But um, it talks about the mind and what we perceive the mind to be. And the quote says, there is nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. If you don't understand this, you will try to figure out which of the many things the voice says is really you. People, people, go, through so, sorry, people go through so many changes in the name of trying to find myself. They want to discover which of their voices, which of these voices, which of these aspects of their personality is who they really are, is who they really are. The answer is simple, none of them. Um, I want, since we have about a minute or so, I would like to reread that quote. My mouth is getting dry. I will read the quote uh, to end the segment. There is nothing more important to true growth than realizing that you are not the voice of the mind. You are the one who hears it. If you don't understand this, you will try to figure out which of the many things the voice says is really you. People go through so many changes in the name of trying to find myself. They want to discover which of these voices, which of these aspects of their personality is who they are, is who they really are. The answer is simple, none of them. And that's where I will leave you for this segment with this uh, delicious quote. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now there's a new destination for video content. VoiceAmerica.tv. Just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7. VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven. 
spirit guides, and angels. To learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution, tune into Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Uh, Welcome back and thanks again for listening. Right before the break, I was talking about this, I was sharing this quote from Michael Singer, um, where, you know, many people would think that because we have so many thoughts going through our minds, that we are our thoughts in a sense. And, um, you know, I think the, the, first four, the first sentence is really the key one. There's nothing more important to true growth and true realization that realizing that you are not the voice of the mind, you are the one who hears it. So again, it reinforces my point that there's something in us called, called the mind that works on its own, how it fuels itself, maybe some of the mystery, but obviously from what goes on in our lives. And if we can hear that voice coming from what I call the closed entity, it means what it means. We are not our mind. That's so simple. And I shared this quote with a friend of mine. I was on, uh, on email communication with a friend of mine. Her name is Jean. Uh, she's, she lives near Chicago, on the west side of Chicago. I think she's very close to my energy coach. And um, we were on email. She was on the west coast so at the time. Uh, this past week, she may still be there, but uh, on the west coast. So we exchanged emails. And uh, I thought she would love that quote because she had shared things about, uh, you know, she has been listening to my show and she had some interesting questions about um, observing the mind, which was, again, the topic two weeks ago, and some comments and feedback, which was very useful and for which I was very grateful. And uh, so I sent her the quote and uh, the response I got this morning uh, in my email box was very interesting. She said, but then, what are we if not our thoughts? But then, what are we if not our thoughts? And I thought, wow, this is such a profound question. And I, I, I would think here that, you know, this is a spelunking question. This is exactly what I would like you. Again, it's not up to me to tell you what to do and how to do spelunking. Uh, I do it for myself, which is enough work already, but this is the kind of thing you need to put your mind to the test. You know, what are we if we are not our thoughts? And where do these thoughts come from? And what function do they play in life? I think the kind of advice that I gave two weeks ago was more about the practical nature of things. You know, if one thought comes to mind, travels, erupts uh, out of your mind, you know, 
be it a good thought or not so good thought, a nasty thought. Uh, the question is, why is this coming to me and why, where does it come from? I guess these are very simple questions. And I think that Gene's question is, is, is slightly bigger. And, and, and it's, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a wow question. I love that question to the point that I'm going to make it the title of my show next week. You know? But then what are we if not our thoughts? And uh, I'm not going to give you any response now. Um, I gave her one, one bit of response. And um, what she responded back to me this morning, she said she talked about the watcher or the listener, you know, observing what's going on inside the bubble. That's how I call the mind also. It's like a bubble. I called it a, a closed entity. And it's very important for you to realize that this is closed. This is something... I'm not saying it's something you can touch, but it's something you can close and you can, if you want to, if you reach a state of balance, you can keep those thoughts bubbled in, in a sense, closed to the extent that you work in, in, in synchronicity or in, in, in sync with your, sorry, in sync, that's what I wanted to say, with your mind and there's a good level of balance. And she said it was a very um, helpful image and she had also observed with loving kindness and um, this is good. You, ha you have to be kind to your mind. And I think I mentioned that, was it last week or the week before, that at some point, I think going out of the same supermarket where I bought the bread this Tuesday, uh, that I had compassion for myself. You know, I had compassion for the thought that was coming out of my mind. And again, if you look at the, fine, uh, the mind as, as a closed entity, it's possible to feel compassion for disclosed entity i think it's easier because it's a it, it, it makes it think like it's a finite f-i-n-i-t it's a finite entity and so you can you can also um not categorize it but you you can observe it from the outside that's what i've been saying for a number of times uh, but i think to me it makes it more more observable and possibly at some point more lovable and so uh I wanted to mention that, um, again, a lot of small things happening this week, but so, so rich, uh, so nourishing to, to my mind and to my, to my heart and to my, to my life, I guess. I'm very grateful for this kind of, of um, I would call it using a metaphor of the garden. These are fertilizers uh, that people are offering me, and I'm always um, happy and welcome to get those. I would also... It's interesting also because of that and possibly the fact that I uh, renewed the contract for the year, I'm starting to have a, 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 bigger, a bigger view, a larger view of the show going one year into the future. And, and I started to realize in the past maybe 24, 30 hours that there may be a, a connection here. That, you know, things do not happen by, by accident. In the past three shows, the topics were the mind, consciousness, and faith. And I'm starting to see the connection between the three. Um, it's gelling. It's gelling up. So I'm not quite there yet. But again, I think it's essential to be talking about these three pieces. And I would call them, if I were to visualize them, I would call them circles. And I would have one circle to the left, the mind, one circle to the right, consciousness, and one circle at the bottom, faith. And obviously, there's an overlap between uh, each circles. And there's a name for that overlap, what goes on there. 
And also in the middle of the free circle, there's a, an area where the free circles uh, overlap. And um, I've been, it's interesting, I will share you my work in, pro- my, my, shall I say, my thinking in progress, but my, my show in progress, what I saw at the, at the center of the, the image I got at the center of these three circles, a rocket launch. Something is being launched uh, into, something is ascending. It's a, it's a place where you can ascend from. Is it a rocket? I don't know. But um, again, the three pillars, possibly the mind, consciousness, and faith. And so, so I will get back to that. I will get back to the topic of faith, as I mentioned earlier on. I think it deserves, a, it deserves much more time. And um, I also wanted to say that I, um, I confirmed the interview with my guest, Scott Smith, for the 23rd of April. And um, I believe it will open up also uh, some new avenues um, for me to talk about in relation to the mind, to consciousness and faith. Uh, some avenues about the different bodies. You know, we have obviously our physical body, but also in terms of spirituality, we talk about the mental body, the emotional body, and the spiritual body, and other bodies that I'm not quite familiar with. with, with. But for sure, I've been talking and I've been learning about these four essential bodies, you know, the, the physical, um, the mental, the realm of thoughts, uh, the emotional and then the spiritual. So we'll be, down the road, we'll be, we'll be tackling those uh, and see what comes um, out of them. What I wanted to do in, um, at the beginning of the show, until I got so much, um, so much nourishment this week, I wanted to talk about dreams. And, and dreams, um, this was also on my mind last week, because you know one way to access our consciousness or possibly a different level of consciousness is to, I don't say to look, but to, to acknowledge and honor our dreams. Where do they come from? You know, I think uh, it's understood that they come from our subconscious. And how do they come into our consciousness um, by the fact we remember a dream? I'm not so sure. I've been reading long, long time ago about Jung. Uh, he has a book called Dreams, Something and Recollections, a very good book, but um, honestly, I don't remember much about what he said. But um, this, you know, this area of dreams made me think about him. And, and the reason also I wanted to talk about dreams, it's like, it's like a, a gateway, you know, a gateway to learn, about, to learn about yourself in two words, your and then self with a capital S, there's obviously messages coming from, from somewhere else, from a deeper part of yourself, which I need to say something here. This part of yourself, I don't believe is affected by your thoughts. Certainly not the thoughts that are running through your mind, you know, through that, um, like the rod in the cage. I mean, um, these, these dreams are coming from a much, much deeper part of yourself that may be connected to your past way, way, way back. I mean, hundreds of lives ago. I mean, we don't, we don't know. I think we have to acknowledge and certainly entertain that possibility that, that the dreams we dream um, are whole her dream, W-H-O-L-E-R, whole dream. They are not only a reflection of our present life. 
And the reason I want to mention that is, is because of my dreams. And I had two significant dreams uh, this week, not including the one I had this morning. But, um, and it's very interesting because for a long, long time, um, I couldn't remember much of my dreams for a long period of time. I remember a dream for whatever reason, a significant one. must have been um, eight, nine years ago. And this was a snake, and a snake usually is a sign of, of uh, you know, a snake. A snake sheds uh, its skin, il mu, uh, as we say in French, and so it moves into a new skin. And the dream I had about that shed, I think, was a was a sign of transformation, a sign of, of growth, a sign of of moving into something else. And it was associated to, to some extent with my home, uh, the home where I lived in, uh, in the suburb of Paris when I lived the first 23 years of my life. And I, in that dream, I had a, a tree, was a whipping willow, where we had a whipping willow in the front of the, of the house. And for whatever reason, that tree was very present in my, in my dream at the time. And later on, my, my father cut the tree because it was going all over the place. And um, there was no regret, nothing attached to that. I think it was more a sign of, um, of moving forward. And uh, interestingly enough, I mean, the, the house where we used to live, my, my parents, my mother lived there for about a good 70 years, I think, before she moved out three years ago. The house, the house no longer exists. Uh, we sold it to some, some county, some different, some institution, and they raised the house to the ground. And it's interesting, too, that maybe um, this is a, a clean sheet, in a sense, for me to, to get going. So this was a very interesting dream, but again, a long time ago. What I want to talk about is two more recent dreams. And one was very unusual because it's a two-part dream. And the first part took place uh, on January 27, the night between the 26th and the 27th of January. And in that of this year, and, and in that dream, I was at O'Hare Airport in Chicago, and I was waiting for, for a flight. Um, uh, there was a flight departing from O'Hare and going to India. I don't know where it was going to India, and it was, for whatever reason, it was a charter flight, which means there was an approximate departure time, but we couldn't leave until there was a plane. And at the time, I think the dream started, uh, there was no plane, so we were waiting, I think I was with a colleague of mine. It wasn't very clear. But um, I was waiting, and at some point we went, we took a, a shuttle or a train, and we went up to a cafe or something to have a refreshment. And either afterwards we come back, and we waited a bit more, and eventually the, the plane left for India. And there was a, I could sense also in that dream, it's very interesting, that there was a layover somewhere. And... Um, the layover was supposed to be, the name that came to mind was the name Lancaster. And there's many kind of Lanca Lancaster, yeah? Uh, and um, Lancaster or Leicester, I think it's, I don't even remember, but it's, uh, it's not even L. And, and uh, it doesn't really matter because I think there's a Lancaster or Leicester in, in England. I think it was Leicester. Uh, there's one in England, there's also some in the US. And, and in my, you know, I'm using logic to interpret a dream. And... Um, I couldn't find where it would where it would um, land, where it would um, do a layover, and I still don't understand why a layover and why why Leicester. And that went on, and so 
maybe I was in the plane at some at some level of my spiritual uh, life. And what was very interesting on the 22nd of this month, uh, this was Sunday morning, I saw myself arriving in India. And by plane, obviously, because I was passing, I was in an airport, and I was passing by a customs officer. And I could have a fairly decent uh, vision of that customs officer. He was a big guy. He was wearing glasses and a turban also. So he may have been a may, may have been a Punjabi, and uh, the very interesting thing is that in front of me, there was a little girl uh, running, and that little girl was very very enthusiastic, very happy, and um, and I seem I think she was guiding me. I wasn't sure, but I could see myself in passing in front of the customs officer and obviously showing my passport, and the little girl kept running. So I couldn't tell if that little girl was a, you know, a real girl in a, in a dream or was she a symbol. And um, that was just about it. Um, but it was very, very clear, very vivid. And it was clearly the continuation of the dream that had started on January 27. And uh, I talked to two of my friends on Facebook that day and they were both agreeing in an agreement that um, the little girl wa- was a symbol of... Yeah, let's let's call it a symbol, a representation of my inner feminine self. That's why she was a little girl, and that's why she was so enthusiastic. And um, and that's good. And and the second one said, you know, this little girl, she's leading she's leading you to joy, because she's so joyful, she's so enthusiastic, she's so full of life. And it's interesting too because during the week um, I've had a song in my in my mind in my head called "Odd to Joy," you know, from Beethoven, from the Ninth uh, Symphony, and it was in me. It was also in our son. Um, our son listens to a lot of videos on on YouTube, and one of them is a is a cartoon from Disney called Little Einstein. At the beginning of the cartoon, there's always a piece of or during the cartoon even um, a classical music. And that's why he picked up quite a few composers, and one of them was Beethoven, and one of them, the music uh, was the Art to Joy. So I was able to tell him and teach him about Art to Joy. He knew the music, he didn't know the name of the composer, so it was very interesting how these things come together. And, and the song was, you know, singing in my head at the same time. So, again, I find some very... Um, they're interesting things. So I have some elements of you know uh, what my dreams mean. At the same time, I have no idea why uh, why India. The meaning of India, I'm completely clueless. And um, you know, I could do some meditation about it to try to uh, to find out more about it. Um, I don't think if I were to Google anything, I would find anything about flying over to India and. Um, so that's what I wanted to share with you. I have another dream to share in the in the last segment of the of the show, but I thought it was very it's almost I would call it mystical, you know, when you don't understand what's going on, but uh, I think there's there's more than a message. It's pretty clear. So thank you very much again for for listening. Your- 
your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Could you be the next legendary leader? That question hinges on your courage and willingness to change. Join Maria Danley every week for Legendary Leaders, answering the higher calling. Be inspired by stories and legend and listen to legendary guests along with live channeling to help you answer your higher calling and become the legendary leader you are destined to be. The world is waiting for you. Step up and join the wave. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Giles Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello, this is Jill again. Welcome back. Thank you very much for being there today or for listening on demand. I truly appreciate uh, your company. So I was, right before the break, I was uh, mentioning my dream, uh, traveling between O'Hare and uh, airport and India. Um, it took me almost two months to get there, you know, between January 27th and March 22nd. And... Um, uh, the first question I had, again, when I think about the show, why do I want to mention these dreams? And and I think it's important, um, again, to reflect on what goes through your, it's not your mind at this point, it's for your being, you know, for your consciousness. The, these dreams uh, came to me, uh, the remembrance, remember, remembrance of those dreams came to me for a reason. And obviously, there's a message, there's possibly a message about my feminine inner self, uh, which is, uh, I can sense it's a, it's a strong part of me. Um, I acknowledged it for a long time. But then, you know, what is it? And, then, and what am I doing in India now? You know, it's the kind of question that goes through the mind, for Gilles, Gilles Aslan's mind. And um, I don't know. But then maybe in another in other two months, I will get a different response and I will go from India to another place. I, I have no idea. But the message I have in here, you know, it's, I think it's important to pay attention to our dreams because, they, again, they have messages for us and they don't come to us by accident. Um, 
a few years back, a friend of mine on the West Coast uh, bought uh, Christmas gift. She bought me a, a diary, you know, a book to record my dreams, and there was some advice. At the time, I had no no use or no inclination to to use the book because I I couldn't remember my dreams. And now what I do regularly every morning when I have a dream, which is pretty significant and vivid, uh, I record it on the computer, you know, in my, in my file. And, and I'm glad I did that because January 27 to March 22nd is uh, quite a bit of time. And I was able to go back to what I wrote down on, on January 27. And so I think it's important. It's important. Um, I don't do journaling these days the way I used to do maybe two or three years ago. And there's periods of when I feel that I need to write, and, and I do write uh, about what goes on in my life, but also what I feel or what I envision uh, based on what I feel. Um, I don't seem to be in a time where I, I'm into this, this journaling thing um, for whatever reason, and I just let it happen. And um, I mentioned another dream. This was, I don't know if it's the universe smiling at me um, having a good laugh at me, but uh, last week, I was honest. I mentioned my addiction to you, and my addiction is French soccer. And I, I love French soccer, and I think at the time I'm, I'm talking now, and I think France is playing against Brazil in Paris. And I haven't, I haven't done anything in terms of soccer for the past three days, because it's only a, a friendly between France and Brazil. But yesterday morning was very interesting. I had another dream which was extremely vivid. I could remember it very, very well when I woke up. And this dream was about my favorite team in France called Saint-Étienne. Saint-Étienne, Etienne, I think uh, the, word, uh, the, the first name Etienne means Stephen, Stephen in English. And it's been my favorite team for at least in 1976. Uh, they played a uh, Champions League final against Munich. And uh, since then, I follow that team, and I'm very, that's where my heart is in terms of, of soccer. Um, and yesterday in my dream, they were playing a final, some sort of a final. I couldn't see the name of the other team. And I wasn't watching the game live. Um, I wasn't even in the stadium. I was someplace else, which felt like a party. And I was sort of glancing on and off. And at, I think at the end of regular, regular time, after 90 minutes, they were tied, 1-1. And then I went back into what I was doing, possibly talking with the guests or my friends. And eventually I got back after overtime, and my team had won four to three, four goals to three. And I was surprised that, you know, wow, so many goals scored in 30 minutes, uh, two overtime uh, sections of 15 minutes. And, and wow, but I was happy because my team had won, my favorite team had won. And, and uh, again, um, why is this message coming in now, March 25th? I talked about soccer a week ago in the show. Is there a connection between my sharing my, my soccer, my passion for soccer, for French soccer a week ago, and this stream coming up uh, on March 25th, which was like about five, six days after the show? You know, how did... How does my unconscious work at this point? What what is my unconscious trying to release? You know, and it's only um, it's only a soccer game. So what what is the spiritual message here? I think possibly the the most important thing is the outcome because I uh, I see the word victory or I see my team uh, 
winning triumph thing in a sense. And so that's that's I don't know that's where I am. Uh, I wrote down the dream in my diary, and uh, I will see what happens. Maybe my team will move on to a different uh, championship, or I don't know. But uh, but again, you know, if you'd like to. To do some spelunking around that, it's not the kind of spelunking I had in mind when I started the show two months ago, but I think it's a very a very rich, a very fruitful uh, spelunking to do because it, um, it takes you to a very different area of yourself. And it's an area which might be dark most of the time. You know, when you bring your flashlight and your spelunking and you enter maybe another cave to the right or to the left, something you would never think what's there, you know, in your conscious, in your conscious consciousness, there wasn't any room like this, there was just darkness, and suddenly the darkness is taking on meaning, because something come out of the darkness, is coming out of the darkness, and there's a dream, and there's a message, and then there's information which is meaningful to you, to the extent that you can qualify that information, but this is not coming from, I don't know, from out of space. This is coming from, from within. You know? Our subconscious is, is within, even though, even though it's not a physical place in our being. It is who we are. And this, this um, subconscious might, is vastness, is infiniteness, um, is tremendous. You know, we, we can never find out how, how, how deep, how vast our subconscious is. I think there's a connection there uh, to the collective consciousness of the earth, of Gaia. Gaia is a spiritual being as well. I don't know if Gaia dreams. Um, and what does Gaia dream? I have no idea. The earth, what does the earth dream about? I think it dreams about uh, being well, think, well taken care of, I, I, I would assume. And that's... Uh, I hope it's more than a dream. It's, it's a goal, and that uh, Gaia is counting on its uh, its inhabitants, to uh, citizens of the world, to make this happen. And so that's my little message about um, about dreams. And I will certainly keep you appraised of uh, what comes up in the, in the next few days, in case that relates to to my own spelunking. But that's where I do my work these days, into trying to see where this information is coming from and, and what is it all about. And it's um, it's very exciting. So in the last few minutes I have, I wanted to to touch upon this topic of faith. Uh, you know, what is faith again? I have questions for the show, but for the shows. But um, my goal is it's not really to um, to answer those questions. It's more like to have a a discussion and exploration of what you know things are all about. And I certainly don't have any definite answer, and I don't even know if I have definite answer for myself. I know that's the way I come from. Um, but when I talk about when I this topic of faith came along, and it came along in a very different fashion last week, usually the topic comes first in my mind. You know, the mind serves a purpose. It comes first, and then I do a research on the internet to see uh, if I could find some pictures that are uplifting and uh, obviously related to the topic. But last week, and I believe it's the first time that happens, a friend of mine on Facebook found a picture. And she posted that picture. It's the one you see if you go to Facebook uh, under my name, Jill's Asala. 
And um, there's a little girl who seems to be sitting on a bench, this little bench or a seat. And there's lots of hearts uh, on the bench and there's the word faith. And that she seems to be happy-go-lucky girl. And, and, you know, it's interesting I'm saying this now because now I realize maybe this little girl, I'm, I'm very live now in terms of reporting, uh, this little girl may very well be my feminine self, my inner feminine self, which was running ahead of me when I got to India. And maybe it is. Maybe that's a very interesting um, place to explore and spend some more time. And so that's the, the picture I posted. And then, um, based on that, I, I came up with a topic. And interestingly, the topic I had Thursday night was different from the topic I had in mind the title, the title was different from the topic I had in mind Thursday night and Friday morning. So the final topic that I listed came to me Friday morning after I woke up. And I just wanted to say a few things in here. Um, one of the friends also who, um, who I have on Facebook in a spiritual group, uh, she talked about a lady called Lady Faith. So in the spiritual realms, uh, there's such a lady called Lady Faith, and it may be of interest to you that she's Archangel Michael's twin flame. I haven't said much about twin flame. It's a, it's a, a concept that is still very nebulous for me. But this Lady Faith, once in a conversation, made a statement to the effect that faith is the step beyond hope. Faith is the step beyond hope. I personally have grown to see faith as a knowing without doubt, a knowing that empowers one to the point of magnetizing what one believes to be. And that brought a lot of thoughts to, to, to me, to my mind, in terms of, you know, a knowing when you know without doubt that you can achieve something um, that empowers to the point of magnetizing what one believes to be. And uh, it's very strong, it's very powerful. Um, um, is it about our being or is it about what we can do? And I started talking also, thinking about the notion of limitations in relation to that faith, you know, if we have imitations. And oftentimes, it's something I want to discuss as well in the future, these limitations are self-imposed. You know, you don't, you don't believe you can do something uh, because that's what your mind's telling you, or it's a deep-seated belief that has been there forever. I'm not strong enough to do this. I'm not wealthy enough to do this. And then you don't do anything. And so, again, this deserves a lot more time and thinking and nurturance that I could offer in the next two minutes. Um, we have only two more minutes on the show. But um, there's a concept that I came to Ingrain is not quite the word. This, this concept is really how I look at faith. My word for faith is like what I call spiritual confidence. And it's spiritual in nature and it's confidence. And, and my question that I'm not going to answer at, at this point is how do we forge it? How do we forge our own spiritual confidence? And since we have only one minute, I'm going to read a quote that I love from Goethe. But I think I used it once in the show. It's about providence. It's about spirit moving in. And it says, until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative or creation, there is an elementary truth 
the ignorance of which kill, kills countless ideas and splendid plans. The moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. Whatever you think you can do or believe you can do, begin it. Action has magic, grace, and power in it. So thank you very much for listening, and um, have a good week. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giles Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.